welcome to the Sales Influence Podcast, where we talk about finding the why in how people buy. I'm your host, Victor Antonio, and today I want to take on a topic that is rarely talked about, but has to be talked about. I want to talk about self-talk. When you talk to yourself... Now, before I get into it, let me set up an experiment that was done by a gentleman, Dr. Martin Seligman, University of Pennsylvania, the founder of Positive Psychology, wrote a book many years ago called Learned Optimism. Learned Optimism by Dr. Martin Seligman. Now, it's a great book. I mean, I I can't recommend it enough. Now, in the book, he talks about an experiment that they did. And I'm going to give you the short version, so I'm not going to do it justice, but If you really want the details of this study, please read Dr. Martin Seligman's book, Learned Optimism. But here was the one experiment that I plucked out of the book that has really impacted me over the years. So I've carried this model with me over the years, and it's helped me greatly. So if you're suffering from, let's say, you know, you're really negative sometimes, it's hard to get motivated, you're going to love the results of this experiment. Now listen carefully. It's a two-phase experiment, two phases. Phase one. Now, they take dogs, right? Groups, two groups of dogs. Now, no animals were hurt during the experiment, so just keep that in mind. So they have two groups of dogs. And what they do, the two groups of dogs, rather, what they did is with group one, they took one dog at a time and they put the dog in a harness, right? Like a harness, just wrapped around its body, a harness. And then what they did is that, you know that shock you get when you walk across a rug or something and you touch a doorknob, you get a little shock? Well, they shocked the dog, gave him little shocks periodically. And, of course, the dog would whimper, you know, and they shocked it again. And they did this periodically. Then they finally stopped doing it, right? That's group one. Group two, again, they took the dog, put it in the harness. They shocked it periodically, but with one difference. In front of the dog, on a wall, there was a button. And the dog realized after a while that if it just hit the button with its nose, the shocking would stop. So again, let me repeat. Group one, shocked the dog periodically, no button. Group two, shocked the dog periodically, but had a button when it realized, and by tapping the button with its nose, it could stop the shocking. So that's phase one of the experiment. Again, no animals were hurt during this experiment. So again, don't feel bad. Now, phase two of the experiment. They took the dogs and put them in a shuttle box. Now, it's hard to describe visually, but I'm going to do my best. A shuttle box via via podcast. But I want you to imagine looking from the front view into a box. And the box has two compartments, left and right. And in the middle, there's a small little barrier, like a little barrier, right? Just like a little hurdle in the middle that separates the two sides, the A side and the B side, let's call it, right? Left and right. What they did is they took dogs from group number one. Now, again, the dogs from group number one were dogs that were periodically shocked but didn't have a button in front of them. What they did is they took the dog, put it in one side of the shuttle box. Now, the floor, the bottom of the shuttle box, again, they could administer a shock through the bottom. And what they realized when they took the group one dog and put him into the box that when they shocked the dog periodically, the dog just laid there and just kind of whimpered. Didn't do anything, just whimpered. So they took the dogs out. Then they went over to group number two. The dogs that had been shocked periodically, but 
they had the button in front of them to stop the actual shocking. They took those dogs from group two, put the dog into one side of the shuttle box, shocked the dog periodically, and the dog immediately realized that if it just got up, moved to the other side of the box, the shocking would stop. So now, this is what's fascinating about this experiment. Group one was shocked periodically, had no button. When they put it in the shuttle box, it just gave up. Even when it was being shocked, it just laid there. It never tried to get to the other side of the box. The other dog, group two, who had the button and stopped the actual shocking through the button, when they put it on one side of the box and it was shocked, it knew to, it, well, it didn't know. It figured out that if it got up and moved to the other side, the shocking would stop. Now, the conclusion, and I'm giving you the short version of this, is that group one, the dog with no button, basically realized that when it was being shocked, it learned, here's the phrase, it learned to be helpless. As Martin Seligman would say, learned helplessness. The dog figured it couldn't change its condition. It had no control over its condition, so it just gave up. So even when they put it in the box and it had some control, the dog mentally realized it had no control, so it just laid there. Group two, the dog realized that it could take control by just hitting the button, so when they moved it into the shuttle box, it realized it still could probably control itself and just move to the other side and stop the shocking. So this is important. Two groups of dogs, two different scenarios. One believed it had no control over its destiny. The other one believed it had some control because that's how they were conditioned. Listen to that phrase I just said. That's how they were conditioned. Now, they did this experiment with humans, except they put them in a room, and they did some annoying light things. So in some, in some areas, you could actually control the lighting, and some areas you couldn't. Almost like the button, note button. But with humans, they used a light switch. And so here's the interesting thing. Pushing forward through this experiment, Martin Seligman realized that it's how we talk to ourselves that will determine whether we take action or not. It's how we talk to ourselves that will determine whether we have a sense of control over our destiny or not. It's how we talk to ourselves that will determine whether we're helpless or we're empowered. Now, what he realized is that what we say to ourselves really impacts what we do. And he said there's three aspects of self-talk. He called this the self-talking style. And here's what he realized, that people talk to themselves in three different ways. The first one is personal. You take something personal. And so let's take the people who really believe they have no control over lives, over their lives. What they do is personally, they denigrate themselves. They go, you know what? I'm just an idiot. I'm stupid. I, I can't understand anything. I'm just not smart enough. That's what a pessimistic person would say. That's the self-talk. I have no control. I'm just, you know, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. I'm just not good. So that's personal, poor self-talk. He also talked about their, they talk in the language of permanence. In other words, it's permanent. No matter what I try, things will never change. You ever hear people say that? You know, I just, I just can't change. I just, it's just me. I'm just not good. It'll never change. And that's the phrase they use. It'll never change. The third aspect of self-talk is pervasive. Pervasive meaning it's everywhere. No matter where I, where I go, what I try, nothing ever works out. You ever heard that before? Of course you have. What Seligman realized, that people denigrate themselves personally, and they say it's always permanent and the condition is always pervasive. Let me say it slowly. Negative people will always attack themselves personally. I'm not smart enough. 
They'll always think their condition is permanent. Ah, things will never change. They always believe things are pervasive. No matter where I go, no matter what I try, things never go my way. That's negative self-talk. Now, what do you realize that optimists, dogs who will get move up or stand up and move to the other side of the box, have a different self-talk. Optimistic people have a different self-talk. If something goes wrong, they go, wow, okay, that didn't work out for me. Uh, maybe something else will. In other words, they don't badmouth themselves. They don't go, I'm, I'm an idiot, I'm stupid. They go, oh, I didn't see that one coming, so I, next time I'll be smarter. When they look at permanence, they don't see permanence either. They go, you know what? You know, I, this didn't work out, but things will change. Totally different attitude. Things will change. In terms of pervasiveness, they'll say, you know, hey, this didn't work out, but maybe if I go over here, that will work out better for me. Do you see the difference in mindset? How we talk to ourselves makes all the difference in the world. If you denigrate yourself personally, I'm an idiot, I'm stupid, I'm not good. If you say it's permanent, things will never change. If it's pervasive, no matter what I try, no matter where I go, things will never change. You will never be successful in selling. But when something goes wrong, you lose a deal, you lose a sale, and you say, you know what? Personally, I don't think it was my fault. I just had a bad customer. That's a positive attitude. Permanent. You know, this guy didn't buy from me, but you know what? I know that other guy will. And then pervasive could be, you know what? Maybe I'm not selling here, but maybe if I move over here or try something different, I'll sell more. That's an optimistic attitude. And I want you to analyze your self-talk. Next time something doesn't go right, analyze how you talk to yourself. Be aware. Be mindful of how you think. Remember my simple equation, A, B, C. Your attitude will drive your behavior and your behavior will drive your consequence. Let me say it again. Attitude will drive your behavior and your behavior will drive the consequences. If you have a positive attitude, your behavior will reflect that and the consequences will be positive. That is it for this Sales Influence Podcast. Thank you very much for, again for listening in. Again, leave me some comments on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube and let me know what you think. As always, I greatly appreciate it. Also, check out my sales training website. You know the deal, seminarsonselling.com where you'll find great sales training videos to help you and your company grow to what? To make more money. By the way, I got two new books coming out. I am super excited. One is called The Greatest Gift. It's a motivational book. If you're a fan of Ogmandino or Ogmandino-esque type of books, you're going to love this book. And I have a new sales book coming out. I think that's more like April. Uh, title still to be determined. But anyway, I'll keep you posted. Lastly, I want to thank you for listening. This is Victor Antonio always reminding you, selling ain't hard when you know how. Take care.